Today to have Pastor John Nunnally from Legacy Christian Fellowship, who is uh, going to talk to us today about the value of men in the church. That's a heavy topic. Welcome, John. Glad you're here. Thank you very much. You bet. And you all know my co-host Dale Udy. Dale, welcome. Great to be with you, Wendell, and looking forward to hearing John's heart. It's a wonderful pastor that we've got with us today. Amen. John, talk to us about um, just a snippet of your history, how long you've been at Legacy, uh, what things were like when you came from a a men's perspective, et cetera. Great. Um, I have been at Legacy for 10 years now, and it was an existing fellowship with a great pastor, uh, the founding pastor, who took over uh, an old church of mine. And so it kind of was all in the same family. And I had been a worship leader at a church in Littleton for about 10 years. And then uh, they sent me out. I planted a church in Golden. And then a couple of years into that church plant, handed that off to the assistant pastor and took over at Legacy. And it was a, a sweet fellowship that was a generation, generationally a little bit older. And I came in uh, at the time as the young guy. And um, with that brought um, a a dynamic change in that just another generation came in with me. And so um, the church became uh, more vibrant in just having lots of little kids running around. And so I think the shift in men was from men in their later years, focusing on ministry in the later years to um, church as a whole being more intergenerational with a, a lot more um, younger younger guys, but also younger dads. And so the the men of the church kind of instantly became the the granddads of the church to share their their wisdom, their experience with uh, the dads and the young men. And so yeah, like I said, it became almost overnight uh, within I kid you not into two to three weeks. Um, became very intergenerational, wow. uh, whereas um, it, it was the the median age, average age was probably um, somewhere around sixty, and then I came on and it was somewhere in the thirties. Wow. Within about that's two a, to three weeks, that's a big shift. <clears throat> so what what is that? That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. What's your intentional process with men? I, I, I know you value them, but w- w- first of all, what does that mean? Now, secondly, do you have an intentional uh, process you work with your men on? I do. And it stems from a heart of discipleship. Some churches are very good sending churches. Some churches are very good evangelistic churches. Our focus is discipleship. And so we want to walk with people uh, over time in life through Christ and specifically with men. And it, it has become our calling card, I guess, for our men's ministry. We call it advance, um, advanced men's ministry. And that is because we are advancing the gospel and godly manhood. That's the vision for our men's ministry. And so everything we try to do is where we're celebrating manhood, but not 
not as the world defines manhood and manliness, we recognize that the greatest man, the most manly man to ever walk the earth was Jesus Christ. And so if we are taking our notes on manhood from somebody other than Jesus, we're probably going to uh, feed things more of the flesh than of the spirit. And I love manly things um, as is, I mean, I define it. Um, I'm an outdoorsman. Um, I love to hunt and fish and hike and, but I also like to read and, and play music and um, study language. And so um, what we want our men to be able to do is to be more like Jesus, but to celebrate how he's made us, but then how God uses those things to advance his kingdom and advance the gospel of Christ. Quick question on process. I don't want to mm-hmm. get too technical here, but a quick question on process. So if a guy walks into your church, becomes a part of your church, where do you, how do you take him from A to whatever, or wherever you start to wherever you try to move him into leadership or service or what, do you have a process you have that you're working through? We do. And it's probably not evident that there is a process going on. Um, it is what would probably appear very organic. Now that presents a bunch of problems in and of itself, but (laughs) it is build relationship, get to know them, get to know them as men, get to know them and what's going on in their life, find out who they are, what they're all about, what they've been through, um, what they like, what they don't like, and just get them somehow, some way. And we have various ways to do that. Just get them engaged with as many men as possible so that they they don't come in as lone rangers and stay that way uh, because it's discipleship is impossible for the lone ranger mentality. Uh, John Wayne would have never been a great disciple, uh, you know, cool guy and all, but not super useful exactly. in the kingdom. Uh, so um, we so we have we, we've structured our men's ministry to go a little bit deeper um, and then pull back a little shallower and then a little deeper to where, you know, we're getting together. Um, so every quarter we have some element of uh, a gathering. So like a breakfast with a devotional, um, we'll have a fun and fellowship time and then we'll have a service project. So men can always be serving together. And as we're building those relationships, we are funneling them toward our men's Bible studies, our discipleship classes, um, the community groups. And so we want to you know, get them in, get to know them, and then as quickly as possible, get them in the community of men on a regular basis, studying the word. And then if they have leadership potential and they show that they have the maturity and want to serve, we have a fairly open leadership team and it's fairly large. Um, I, I don't recommend for most folks that they have a large leadership group um, because it, it kind of dilutes in some way the effectiveness of that group as to what can get done in a, in a meeting standpoint. But it's an op- more open team that we can talk about things of the church so they feel very invested in the goings on of the church. And then eventually they end up being able to be kind of co or or the lead on a particular ministry. So that's a bit of the progression. Right. One of the questions we have uh, is always, uh, how has the church 
continued to grow as men have continued to come forward into more of the leadership positions. Do you have evidence that there's a change? Do you see it in their family? Do you see it in the community? Do you see it in the workplace? Do you see it in the church? What 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 do you what's your input on that? Yeah, I think the areas of growth it's funny, you can have spiritual growth that then helps numerical growth because the more men we have who are paying attention to spiritual matters. So the more spiritually minded men we have, the more people the Lord will entrust to us to shepherd. So if there are more shepherds, there are more people being shepherded. Um, But I've seen the growth in a willingness to engage, a willingness to serve one another, a willingness to be open as men and pretty transparent about who and what we are and our, and our faults and failures and victories. Um, and yeah, we're seeing growth. It is incremental for most guys. And we have to be okay with incremental growth, even just from a maturity and, and spiritual standpoint. Some guys, man, it is leaps and bounds, but it's probably because they've already been discipled and it just, they needed the right environment to flourish, but we're seeing growth, but it is in some cases almost painfully slow. And I'm sure it's painfully slow in my maturity as well. So we have to be willing to acknowledge that from what I've seen, men's spiritual maturity seems to be at a slower rate um, than our female counterpart. Um, you know, that's a key point, Pastor. The odd, uh, I guess, the the way that people gather those transformational indicators and how do they measure growth and everything else. Like you said, sometimes it can be painfully slow and you want things to, you know, the pace to quicken up a little bit more. What would be your encouragement, again, if you keep doing the right things and gaining traction there ultimately is the goal or the hope that it'll pay off. You'll get some, you'll get some movement. Yes. And ultimately what we want as men is to be usable in the kingdom. And so as we mature, then we are more trusted, if you will, by the Lord, because we're, we want to be faithful over a few things. And so if we're faithful over a few things, we'll be more trustworthy with with greater things later. And so I think those marks of maturity are going to be, are we more usable, which usually comes with being more humble, in addition to being teachable and trained and all that other stuff. So I think that's I think you're uh, you're dead on to say, you know, are we willing to be patient in that growth? What are we willing to see? And for me, the evidence of maturity is usability and even fungibility in the kingdom. Will will the Lord completely break us, remake us, and re, and reuse us, recycle us for something else? Um, that to me is a um, a sign of of growth and maturity. Well said. Well said. You know, Jesus said very clearly. It begins with you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that's that sounds like what you're what you're putting into play there with your men. Absolutely. It sounds, Pastor, that you've got a relational environment in your church or with your men specifically in which the patience for slow growth or painful growth, as we've talked about, which we've all 
you know, been there, done that, it is accepted and it's okay. On the other hand, it's not okay to stay there. So you have to keep moving forward. Would, would that be about right? Absolutely. And and that is a tone set by leadership. Amen. I, I always want us moving forward. And that's the concept of advance. We're yep. certainly not going to retreat. We don't do men's retreats. We only yep. have advances. And the, and the ladies chuckle every time we say that, but yep. we mean it. Yep. Um, I have no, for me personally in the church, I have no desire and put no effort in getting things back to some glory days, getting things back to quote the way they were any of that mess. I only want to move forward. And part of that's just my personality, which I have to make sure that grace puts the governor, the proper governor. So, because otherwise you just run people over. And so, but if we're moving forward and we're always being challenged by the word, then it will keep stagnation um, from, from setting in and being willing to just change things. I think making little changes all the time in what we do, how we do, what we present it, how we present it, it keeps, I think in some ways keeps that challenge of the word right in front of us. And some guys are going to wash out um, and say, you know, I just, I don't like always being challenged or I don't always like the change or I don't always like this or that. Uh, But for most guys, it seems to just kind of keep that, that, that pressing nature, the urgency of the gospel in the forefront. Men seem to have a, um, a ultimately have a task orientation or a want to improve or want to get better or want to excel. I mean, it's how it is in the workplace, right? You're measured consistently in the workplace and your worth and value is based on your, what have you done for me lately kind of mentality. Not so in the kingdom, we're accepted by, by God for who we are regardless. Uh, but to say thank you and I love you and I, you know, so grateful that you've given me eternal life. I want to continue to build that relationship, get, uh, get to know Jesus and, and become more the man he's created me to be. You talk, we talked off air before we ever started about, you know, what does it really mean to, what, what is the value of a man in the church? Or maybe what's the value of a man might be the even better question, but you had some thoughts on that. Do you mind sharing some of those? I'd love to. And Men do want to excel. I think you're right. In the kingdom, though, and and you were touching on it, because we're saved by grace, um, that wipes out about 90% of what men hang their hat on. And we, we would love to be judged on our works, except for only the good works, because, you know, forget about all this bad, <laughs> all the bad stuff. Um, so uh, because it's a function of grace that we're in right standing with God, I think a lot of men are incredibly insecure. And I think insecurity yep. is yep. Uh, holding back most men in the kingdom because they're still depending on themselves because it's it's the pride of man that is the root of our insecurity. We're still trying to earn it. We're still trying to prove it. We're not sure we measure up. And so we don't have a handle on grace and we're still operating in pride. And that becomes a really big problem. Now, the antidote, the counter to this is that the value of men is set by the Lord. It's not that men need to prove anything, um, that we're worthy of honor, we're worthy of respect. Um, we have um, a place already set for us, a title set for us as men. And I believe that the 
the value of men in the church is set by understanding two things, that men represent Jesus in his betrothal, his marriage to the church, and that men represent uh, the construct of spiritual authority. And those two things, for instance, how Jesus loves and cares for the church, we get to model Christ. And so that gives us great confidence that we're modeling something that we have seen, that we have read about, that we do believe. It's just whether we're going to choose by faith to follow his example. But if we're willing to follow his example, that frees us up to to serve, to teach, to give, to give our life. So we have a very high calling, a very high value in the church by representing the the side of this model we've been given, which is Jesus himself and his love for the church. It's kind of like expanding the concept of marriage being a picture of Christ in the church. So that's the that first issue. We represent Jesus and we are to do that you know, lovingly and well. And then the second part is just the fact that there is spiritual authority should give us actually great comfort um, because we have to, because spiritual authority exists and we can see that in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and there's no battle for control. There's no battle for will uh, in the Trinity. There's no lesser value. They just have different roles, um, but there is submission in the Trinity, but it's not a problem. And so because there is authority and we are under the authority of Christ, then we are already proving that we enjoy being under authority and that that submission is a good thing and it's there for provision and protection. And so um, because we exist within that structure, um, then we get to set aside more and more of our carnal nature to make sure that we are in our proper place in the submission of God, but also providing uh, authority, uh, loving authority, provisional authority to uh, the men and wo- the women and children of the church. And because we've been tasked in that authority to be spiritual leaders, but we are not the best equipped to lead compared to our female counterparts, the qualities for leadership are more easily found in our in our lady counterparts than in our nature. So men must rely on the power of God and not rely on ourselves. And so that takes great faith to lead by godly authority. And so when we're operating by faith in godly authority, then the net result is that God uses men to display his glory um, because he's leading by faith, that it's clear that we are a byproduct of faith and his grace and not our natural inclinations. And so we glorify God. We have a, a purpose and a place in the church, and that's to glorify God. How do we do that? By him calling us to lead in authority structure, how do we lead? Well, we have to lead by the leading guiding of the Holy Spirit because we aren't gifted at the nurturing and the care and the teaching and the equipping. Like it comes so easily, it seems, by our female counterpart. We have to do this by the Spirit. And so it's a, again, it's a very high honor to know we are in a, a structure that, that challenges us to be men of faith. And when we're men of faith, um, we glorify God. And so we're naturally falling into our purpose as we, we slide into the slot he has provided in spiritual authority. I know that's a little circular, but I hope, I hope that made some sense. It did. It was great. Um, I, I, I appreciate that. 
And just one more little exclamation point. When we're doing all the things you just described, the fulfillment that God provides to us as a result of our obedience and submission to him and taking the rightful place that he's given us is off the charts. You can't find it in in uh, physical, um, workplace, um, sin, none of those things. The fulfillment is deep and rich, and uh, that that's the reward of it all. That's great. Good. Um, any one question or point you'd like to make before we wrap up? And I do want to have people uh, find out how to connect with you, so if you want to give us that as well. But uh, any final exclamation point? I think that we can celebrate who God has called us to be as men. Um, and, I, and I understand that manhood and the, the worldly concept of manhood causes a lot of pain and causes a lot of abuses yeah. Yeah. Um, because it is the corrupt nature that wants yeah. to be God and wants to control and wants all of that. But um, and so as a result, there's backlash and rightly so against that. Yeah. Yeah. But we as men of God, we don't want to be um, hearers of the world to think that manhood is somehow uh, a negative Manhood is something that God has provided to be uh, life givers, life protectors, um, to pour into others, to give our lives in um, servitude, in loving service to other people. And so godly manhood is to be celebrated. It's to be joyed over. We just have to make sure we're doing it in a Christ-like way um, and not in a you know, a carnal kind of way. So if we're doing it the right way, um, I don't think anybody has real reason to object. If we're giving our lives to serve others and make sure they're provided for and protected, loved and taught, um, then I don't know that there would be much backlash. But I think if we can make sure we're doing uh, what God's called us to do, represent his son well, uh, we can really have great confidence in our godly manhood. Amen. Dale, any Bo, you want to put on this? Well, again, I, I think John does a great job of not only telling his men what they need to know, but leading them and showing them. And that's right. that's what a good shepherd does. And I just want to thank John for being with us. John, you've got some contact information if somebody would like to maybe just connect with you. Are you open to that? Absolutely. Uh, they can uh, they can go online at LegacyChristian.org. Uh, they can see what's going on and what we're teaching and, and who we are, what we're all about. And if they ever want to uh, get in touch with me, it's uh, really easy. It's just Pastor John, Pastor J-O-H-N, Pastor John at LegacyChristian.org. They can email me uh, questions, comments, snide remarks. We take it all. And so again, yeah, it's just Pastor John at LegacyChristian.org. And um, I'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, we, we love to learn. We know that there are lots of men and ministries like Men's Ministry Catalyst who are devoted to helping men um, walk in godly manhood. So I would love the collaboration. I would love to keep learning how to um, how to reach men, especially men in the next and coming generations. Uh, we have to be very teachable in order to reach the next and the next and the next group. So I would love that interaction. Good. Awesome. Well, this has been Rich. Thank you, Pastor and uh, Dale. As always, thank you as well. 
And we pray that this will uh, impact the men and the churches who have a chance to listen. Bless you guys. Amen.